Are you ready? A shot of wrestling. Episode 341. And away we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Shot of Wrestling. I'm your host, at Michael J. Putty, joined, as always, Mr. Marcus davenport the third. Marcus, so what's going on, buddy? How you feeling? Uh, you you made a prediction that the strike would be over, and uh, unless I missed something, how are things going? Everything's still progressing nicely, or did something happen? Uh, well, this week is D-Day, pretty much. Uh, today, I, if you see me refreshing my phone over and over again, it's because I'm looking for a status of what's going on with the strike. Uh, apparently today, uh, Friday, November 3rd, the AMTP has offered SAG after allegedly their final, the best and final deal. So we shall see what happens here. They use those words before with the WGA and those were empty words <laughs> because it wasn't necessarily their best and final deal when they said it. Okay. So obviously you're paying more attention. Because I got an alert on my phone saying that the the best and final deal was offered to the WGA mm-hmm. and uh, they took it. So I no, they did not. So I'm no, sure. they did not. Uh, the WGA, the WGA did not take what was deemed the best and final deal. Uh, what happened was WGA said no, and then they they negotiated again, and that was wound up being a better and final deal. Uh, so AMTP is playing a lot of games. They also have control over the trades. So, like, you can't necessarily believe everything you read in the trades right now because it's slanted from the AMTP's point of view. So um, that's something to consider as well. But, you know, we shall see. Uh, people are cautiously optimistic about this. Uh, the difference between the WGA and SAG right now is the fact that SAG is seriously on the clock uh, with this deal to happen because if a deal doesn't happen by the end of this weekend, then it looks like they're not going to be negotiating again until January. Damn. Well, it makes sense because then the holidays are coming up, and that means there's going to be no saving the seasons coming up for network TV. That means there's no saving like the movies. Oh, a lot of the movies are actually going to be pushed back to 2025 anyway. Now, like it looks like 2024 is going to be a very dull year as far as entertainment goes. Great. Just what I want to hear. Fantastic. Well, I mean, hey, the studios have to give us a better deal, man. Like, you know... We got to eat, and we also need protection too. The biggest thing is AI. You know, that's the 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 thing that AMTP is looking to. That's the hill they're looking to die on right here. Is that they they want to use our likeness, uh, really with only paying us for one day's worth, but to keep on using it for their franchises. That's not fair. AI is fucking ridiculous. It really is. The Beatles came out with a new song. Okay, from. Old recordings and AI. The Beatles. The Beatles. New song. I'm 40 years old. It's 2023. Ridiculous. Insane. I I feel like that's a little different. Because... I'm, not, I'm not comparing them. I'm just, I'm just talking about the yeah. subject of AI. Like, it's amazing how they could do that. Let's surmise it like you could do it for something so for good, but then you can also do it for bad things, obviously. But the I Beatles, mean, that's the same with any technology. Yeah. I mean, the, this, this could be... This could be like end of the world type of shit if it gets in the wrong hands. Joe Biden uh, just recently, you know, signed executive orders about AI, and whether or not that's going to hold up or not is a whole other discussion. It should hold up. Like everyone should be anti AI or at least regulate pro regulation for it, because yeah, I mean the AI creators themselves of ChatGPT. They said that this could replace 80% of the job force. 
you know, so like something has to be done about it to like, you know, keep this in check. You know, Biden, I think he had a similar reaction to all of us, like in awe over the technology. Like, wow, that's amazing. And, but then automatically, like, holy shit, that's scary. Yeah. It was a couple of years ago on the show, there was an app I could use and it had all these celebrities' faces on them. And I could say something and it would give it back to me in a choppy, you know, celebrity voice. But how far it's gone in such a little time, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's scary. I mean, you have Scarlett Johansson right now suing commercial for using AI likeness without her permission. You know, you see a lot of these, they were called deep fakes, right? Yes, but now it's, it was, yeah. it's, it's, it's even worse. And they did worse. I mean, like more advanced where like, you know, you, so you can't tell if it was a person or not. Yeah. yeah. It's not so deep. But anyway, it's fucking ridiculous. Good luck, buddy. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. I need it. Anyway, Marcus. Now that you're fully recovered, what's trending this week? All right, my man. So back to business here. Drew McIntyre has been in the news quite a bit lately regarding his contract. Russell Pierce at Russell Pierce. As of now, Drew McIntyre has still not signed a new contract with WWE. There had been some Twitter rumors indicating he had resigned. But according to what he and WWE have told people, that's not true. And that source is Fightful Select right there. Uh, So, Putty, I have to ask, what's the deal here? What's the holdup? Does WWE even want, to, even want to re-sign Drew McIntyre at this point? Yeah, I think so. Why wouldn't you want to? He's a big name, huge presence, former world champion. Carried you through the Thunderdome era, the Performance Center era. Well documented this past Monday on Raw. Yeah, why wouldn't you want to resign him? He's a fucking huge talent. He let him go when he wasn't ready. He came back ready, dominated, took made a name of himself, came back. Why wouldn't you want to resign him? So I don't know what the hold. I don't know what the holdup is here. Is it, is it money? Is it contract length? I don't know what the hold up is. I'm hoping they figure it out because I'm not sure. I think his contract ends before WrestleMania sometime, right? Correct. Correct. You know, I, I don't necessarily know, buddy. Like, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I think you bring up some good points from the heart, you know. Thank you. I, I think they do like Drew McIntyre. I think a lot of people do. However, you know, it's it could be a financial decision here. You know, this is under new management. Ari Emanuel is now in control He's the CEO, and I, I think it has nothing to do whether, like, hey, you know, you've done some great work for us, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're a great talent. It could be a money thing. I think that's, bottom line, what it's going to be. Drew McIntyre, I don't necessarily know if, like, if it's him. You know, I, 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 find it, I would find it hard to believe that it's him, like, you know, playing hardball or wanting to go somewhere else because he did that already. Yep. You know, he worked so hard to bust his ass, to climb back up, to get back to WWE and become a champion, become a main eventer. He did that. Why would he want to leave? Unless, you know, to see if he could do an AW, maybe, possibly. I don't buy that. I think, honestly, like, you know, with Nick Khan at the helm as well, uh, you know, Nick Khan has been known to slash big contracts before in the past and, and just to save money, to save face here. Iron Manual is a numbers guy as well. It might make financial sense for them to say goodbye to Drew McIntyre because honestly, you know, if it's a big deal contract, you would expect more. I hate to say from Drew McIntyre, then you, you'd expect him to be under Roman Reigns level, which he's not. No. Yeah. He's not in a position to be asking for big money. So I don't, it can't be the money thing unless he's asking for more than they think he's worth. Not huge numbers, but maybe they're giving him a million. He asking for two, just pulling numbers out of the air here. I don't know. I really don't know. I hope they resign him. He's doing a great job. Did a great job. Maybe he does want to go to AEW, or maybe he wants to see what they're doing over there. They don't really handle WWE guys that well. No, they do not. Very minority. (laughs) So he went down there, dominated an Impact, Impact World Champion, recreated himself, and that led him back to WWE. Maybe he wants to just test the waters again. Again, we don't know. We're just no one knows anything. This is a very tight-lipped story. We don't know whose whose balls the court in. I mean, the the fact that they're talking indicates that there is a want there, you know, on both sides. You know, there, there's there's been nothing saying, like, a contract's not happening. It just back and forth saying, like, you know, he resigned, he didn't resign, blah, blah, blah. So that, seems, that says to me that they're talking, that they're negotiating. You know, like, I, again, it wouldn't make sense with all the bullshit that Drew McIntyre went through to get back. It doesn't make sense for him to want to leave unless there's – he feels like there he's being slighted for money. You know, he's not getting what he thinks he's worth. That's the only thing here. Right? That has to be the thing. Yeah. 
I don't know what else. It, you know, be, it, it has to come down to money or maybe the length of contract. You know, maybe he's lasting for $5 million over five years, and they're giving him $5 million over 10 or whatever. Extreme example. But I don't know. I don't know, man. I just hope they work this out. I think losing but, Drew McIntyre will be a big loss for them. No, I disagree with that. I don't think it's a big do. loss. I think it's uh, nothing against Drew McIntyre, but like, has anyone ever left WWE? It's like, wow, that's been such a big loss. Like, we, we they just keep on going. Like, you know, like we we've said before, like, oh wow, it's going to be a big loss when that person leaves. It it really hasn't. Oh, in that aspect, who yes. is the big? In that aspect, yes, the, the machine. They say it themselves. The car keeps moving. If you're not a part of us, bye. We get, we've still got to evolve. So, yeah, right. I feel like the fans will miss him because then where's he going to go? The fan, and I'm like, okay. The fans will miss him for a, for a split second. They'll move on. I hate to say it like because I, I do like Drew McIntyre, but, like, let's be real, man. Like, Drew McIntyre, he had a decent run during the, the performance center, um, during, during the COVID era, but then that was really it. He kind of fizzled out. Did he have a good run because – Roman Reigns wasn't in the picture, or did he have a good right. run because he is deserving of a good? He he can have a good run. Well, we don't know because we, he never got that sh- that shot again. I mean, they kind of tried to when Roman Reigns did come back, but Roman Reigns kind of he kind of squandered that. Like he he pretty much let everyone know, like, hey, he said in his own words, right? Like, hey, you know, they let you be champion because I wasn't here. Yeah, something to the effect of that, and it wound up being very true. Very true. We'll so, happens. if anything, that that diminishes Drew's negotiating power right there. But we do have to move on. Uh, it's something to keep an eye on here for that. Going into what we got here, more WWE news. Liv Morgan trending once again. She's been out with injury, but looks like she is coming back. Russell Ops at Russell Ops. Breaking news from WON. Liv Morgan is expected to return from injury to WWE TV soon. Great to hear. Love, love, love Liv Morgan. But, Putty, can Liv Morgan find herself back in the championship hunt once again when she returns? It might take some time, but I don't see why not. I mean, they have a five-woman championship match going on. Well, they had one. I'm sorry, in Crown Jewel. Again, we're recording before Crown Jewel happened. But, yeah, I can see her in the picture. I don't know what brand she'll be on, but I see more in SmackDown. I feel like they have a more open woman's card there, less tiered. So, yeah, I think she could. Absolutely. The crowd loves her. They pushed her once. They do it again. It's interesting because I feel like you were kind of sour on her as champion before. I wasn't impressed. I wasn't no, not impressed. I, I wasn't like a biggest fan of Liv Morgan. Never been a big Liv Morgan fan. Mm-hmm. But there's something there. The crowd loves her. The company loves her. Or else how does she survive three cuts? Unless She she puts in a lot of work. Yeah. I have to say. She's, she's improved like time and time and time again. You know, like, I don't know, man. Like, I think I I think I phrased the the question wrong. I said championship hunt, right? I think time has proven anyone could be in the hunt. You know, like even Selena Vega, who someone's been so far away from that hunt, was in the hunt this past year, right? At, at the pay per view in Puerto Rico. That's why, though. So any anyone could be in the hunt, obviously. So I guess the question I'll rephrase: Will Liv Morgan win the championship when she returns? No. Wow. Okay, there it is. No. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> you know, uh, MJF has a, you know, you're not on the level of the devil, right? She's not on the level of a Rhea. She's not on the level of a Charlotte. She's not on the level of a Bianca yet. So when she comes back, no. In due time, maybe. Yeah. What, what is she missing? I do not know. But it's like, you look at Charlotte Flair. You look at Bianca Belair. You look at Liv Morgan. So is it? It's the size then, because Liv Morgan is is smaller in stature compared to the other woman that you just mentioned. It's not the size; it's polish. She's not as polished as they are in the ring. Mm. No, she's not as fluid. She's still like when you're going for a move, you see her brace herself and get into position, then do the move. Sometimes, not all the time. Watch Charlotte Flair is like watching a waterfall. Bianca Belair is a waterfall. It's, it's sometimes her matches are a little choppy, so she's it's not as is- polished yet. Is it the people that she's worked with? I mean, like, like when she was champion, she predominantly worked with Ronda Rousey. You know, was it just like the chemistry wasn't there per se? Because she's had some, like, she had a really good match with Becky Lynch. She had really good matches with Charlotte Flair. Uh, I feel like the rivalry with her and Rhea Ripley could write itself when she returns. Yeah, and 
can we give her like a legit storyline, please? Mm-hmm. She had that rivalry with Ronda Rousey, and it was a David versus Goliath story. Ronda Rousey could destroy Liv Morgan easily, at one hundred percent. But yet they had to give her the whole broken arm or arm injury angle, and Ronda just kept attacking the arm over and over again. So give her a look, like legit. That soured me on her. I think that was what it was because it didn't think they it didn't showcase her being taken seriously. Well, that's not really her though. That's creative. Yeah, I'm not saying it's her. I'm saying it's this, the way she's being presented. Then she loses because like the third match in the row, the, her arm. All right. So if she comes back. Give me a legit, 100 percent healthy, long term story. Then I, I might I might buy into her. All right. All right. I could respect that. Like, I think the same could be said about anyone. Though having like a legit story, you know, I, I I do agree with that. I feel like she wasn't given the best tools to utilize that championship run. I feel like she did a good job with her, what she was given as a champion. She was making the the appearances. She did a very good job with that. Uh, she was doing her duties as champion. I wish I could have seen more of that. I do hope to see her back in the hunt again. I do hope to see her win it again at some point because I feel like again I feel like she's improved quite a bit. I'm curious to see what she looks like and and how she does when she gets back. Uh, I'm excited to see her back, man. I think this is going to be it's going to be good for for the women's division because again, I think I think there's a lot of stories that could be told there with that. But moving on, Putty, going over here to John Cena. John Cena has been making a lot of news lately uh, based on his return, but he's also been doing a lot of press and he had this to say about a certain champion of WWE. Russell Pierce at Russell Pierce, quoting John Cena, he has done it better than anybody I have ever seen. He's the greatest of all time, in my opinion. That is John Cena on Roman Reigns on his interview on After the Bell. Putty, John Cena has often been referred to as the Babe Ruth by Vince McMahon himself of WWE, of professional wrestling. Now, John Cena is kind of passing that torch to Roman Reigns with these comments here. So who is it, in your opinion? Who is the best to do it? Is it John Cena? Or is it Roman Reigns? Shawn Michaels. But in comparing, to, <laughs> comparing to these two, it's hard to say who the greatest of all time is when you're two current people, when the careers aren't over yet. True. It's hard to call Derek well, Jeter. Well, one, 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 one we're getting to. Yeah, okay. Hard, it's hard Go to call Derek, Derek Jeter the greatest shortstop of all time until he retired. That's coming from a Mets fan, but whatever. I don't It's The card is rarely stacked in favor of John Cena. How can you compare the two? Uh, John Cena... 16-time world champion, 20-something-plus-year career, and showed up every week, showed up every month. There was no asterisk next to his name, like there is with Barry Bonds for some fucking reason. Roman Reigns is dominant. He's been built to be dominant. Great storyline, great people around him. Hasn't won too many matches cleanly. Barely shows up. This is, we're not going to see Roman Reigns until, what, Survivor, uh, Royal Rumble now? So, of course, he has, when you think 1,200 days as champion, but yet... We're going to not see him for 90 days? John Cena, hands down. Wow. Wow. I'm a Roman Reigns fan. So would you, I'm wearing his merch right now. I'm a, I love Roman Reigns. I love what he's doing. But right. it's just the fact that John Cena was more consistent. And Roman Reigns was in the beginning. But it's just John Cena showed up week in and week out. 16-time champion. Again, there's 1,200 days. But when you go 90 days between championship defenses, it's easy to rack up that numbers. So would you say Roman Reigns is the Barry Bonds if you're comparing to baseball then? I guess if you want to make a comparison, I like Barry Bonds. I don't think there should be an asterisk next to his name. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I think if he's not, it's a disgrace to the Hall of Fame. Shout out to Barry Bonds. Uh, but yeah, I guess so. Because there's that asterisk. He doesn't defend it. He's, again, taking three months off. Okay. Then you're going to rack up easily 1,500 days and have two title defenses. Impressive. Okay. Great. Thanks. From what I understand, Bruno San Martino, there's a huge fly in my house. Bruno San Martino did it. But he was defending it week in and week out at MSG or the, the circuits. And this is no disrespect because I love Roman Reigns. But if I had to compare it to the two, my man John Cena easily. Has anyone ever said why Roman Reigns is not defending as much? Because no. it's not like it's an age thing. The one thing that keeps circling back in my mind here, and you bring up great points about John Cena. It's, it's hard to debate that. You mean 16-time world champion. You talked about all the accolades that he's done in professional wrestling. But, yeah, you also didn't talk about what he's done outside of professional wrestling for the business, you know, as far as like, the Make-A-Wish Foundation alone. You stop there. He's done with you can stop right there. You can just, yeah. Right. Right. Uh, which is absolutely amazing. You know, you love or hate his character, but as a man, as a person, you got to respect that. Uh, what he's doing for Hollywood. Uh, yeah, I know his last movie 
uh, is King horrible Harper reviews. Not going to talk about it. But like, can you? Yeah, he's going. I, I I can't talk about it. I literally can't talk about it. <laughs> I can't even mention a name. <laughs> but um, you know, going the rock route still, like you know, that brings eyes to WWE. The one thing Roman Reigns could say that he is done that John Cena can't, and hopefully never will, is that Roman Reigns beat cancer. Okay, well, that you idea. know, okay. he, but it's true. It's true that the, the man. Why did he disappear? Right for so long, because he was dealing his his leukemia came back into, uh, you know, came back from remission. Excuse me, I was losing my words there. Um, he beat that, came back, and was better than ever. Right? No one's really saying like why he's been taking these breaks. Is it because of that? Is it because they want to preserve him? Because you know, battling leukemia takes a shitload out of you. Yeah, I can't say anything to that subject. It was been three years ago, though. I've not heard anything that is any correlation to back that up. But then I also heard nothing that uh, negates that either. Again, they're not saying anything. I've not heard any reason. They're, they're not saying that, well, and I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not accusing uh, of anything that you know, or, or you start a rumor that his leukemia might be coming back, whatever. No, it, it, he took that time off, and it wasn't. If you think about it, for what he was dealing with, it wasn't honestly a very lengthy time off. No. You know, like he, he was dealing with that shit. He was, he was dealing with it and thankfully he overcame it. But how much of a toll did that take from him is what I'm saying. And like, did that necessarily take years off his career to do so? Can't answer that. That's what I wonder. Maybe it's possible. And, and you know, if, if uh, you know, a medical expert is listening to our show or watching our show, I, I would love to hear more about that. Um, as far as like how that recovery would factor into this, but like there, there's got to be reason because Roman Reigns is not that old. No, you know, exactly. like, and for for him, for him to take so much time off, uh, makes me wonder what is going on there with that, or is it just from a business aspect? As far as like, hey, the more time he's away, the longer the days add up for him to break another milestone. Here, could it be that aspect, which is kind of cheap? But that's not Roman Reigns' fault. The feeling I, that I have is that anybody they put in front of Roman Reigns for the last 1,200-plus days, he beats. Having him show up week in and week out, month in and month out, PLE after PLE, and dominating everybody, it's going to get stale. So, plus, if he's going to beat everybody, okay, let, let me beat Kevin Owens for the fourth time in 13 months. So these breaks, I think, are meant to, um, I beat everybody. I don't need to be here week in and week out. Keep the character fresh. That's what I originally was thinking, but when you bring up this whole physicality thing, maybe I don't know. I'm honestly not too sure. I I, I do wonder these things. Uh, I've been wondering that for a bit. I just never vocalized it. But you know, like I know a lot of people think it's stale right now. I for one, I'm, and I don't even know if I'm in the minority. Really, it just seems like it's a fifty-fifty split as far as people who think it's stale and people who think it's not stale. You know, I don't necessarily believe that they're in the third inning here, as Paul Heyman would say. I, I do feel like they're a little further along. But well, like bottom it, of the seventh. Right. It's somewhere around there. I think that's a good gauge. Because it's still entertaining. They're still finding ways to keep it fresh. And now we have rumors of another cousin possibly coming in uh who just requested this release from MLW. So I mean, different ways here to go. And also, we'll see how that goes. But the point where we talk about too is like whoever beats him now is going to catapult them into the stratosphere. So they got to find the right person to beat him. I mean, they haven't found the right, right person yet, or who needs it? And and by the way, like you know, just because he loses doesn't necessarily mean his career is over. You know, there's still left. There's, well, I I would hope that there's still more left to go for Roman Reigns. Um, so as you said, I mean, like you know, they're they're both technically active. I think one's on their way out sooner than the other. Uh, but like, yeah, you. I guess you would have to give the edge to John Cena for a little bit for all the things that we discussed, and then some. But Roman Reigns, I mean, he if John Cena is one A, then Roman Reigns is one B right there. I'm kind of actually more interested and intrigued on Roman Reigns, the character after he loses. What happens next? What, he, what does he do next? I'm actually interested to watch that more uh, as the time goes it, on. It, it could be a la like you know for our BCW faithful here that, that listen to us, kind of like when Darius Carter lost his championship. You know, that to me became more interesting as far as him chasing the title again. 
and became more dangerous. So I'd be curious about that. But, buddy, that's all I have for the news. Uh, but I do have an interview here, man. A first-timer here on Shot of Wrestling. Oh, wow. I always like the first-timers. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, she's a trailblazer along with an ass-kicker. She is the first trans wrestler to compete in Impact and NWA. Give it up for Jamie Senegal. Oh, my gosh. I loved it so much. You killed it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, yeah, a lot of people, they they love my intros. I always want to do it up for my guests here. Someone especially like you, and I have a lot of respect for you. Um, as I mentioned, Trailblazer, without a doubt. So let's talk about trans wrestling in general right now because it's it's hotter than ever, right? Uh, it's made a yeah. lot of strides. Do you feel, are you happy with the way it's been right now or do you still feel like there's a lot left to go? Um, I'm really happy. With, I think there's always an uphill battle. Uh, I'm really happy with where we're at because I think that compared to where it was when I started, I think we're about almost at the peak. Uh, just in terms of just there being more people, more inclusion. When I started, there was only a handful of uh, queer people in general that were at least open in wrestling. And um, I think that there's more people now, which creates more space for talk, which makes less room for people to say, you can't be on the show because there's less, there's le- there's too many people that they can't say no at this point. That's amazing. You you love to see it. Uh did you have a lot of that at first? Like people saying no just because of who you are? Yes. Yes and no, because I do genuinely feel like I was blessed with a, a really beautiful career, in the, especially in the beginning of my career. I feel like I got a lot of opportunities yeah. that, honestly, I never felt ready for some of the opportunities that I was handed to in the beginning of my career. And I think that's such a blessing. And then on the other end, uh, there was a lot of people not willing to book a queer person or use queer people at all. And I did deal with that quite a bit. Mm. Um, but it just was like a fire under my, um, under my ass, if I can say, if I can say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, feel free to curse away. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it just kind of lit a fire underneath me and made me want to work harder. And it kind of made us all come together and create space for ourselves in the industry. And I love that it's now being taken seriously because I feel as though during the time when I was younger, when I would try to talk about it, people didn't care because they didn't believe it because it wasn't you know, there was only a couple of us. So it wasn't in your face for you to see it, to believe that that would even happen. So now that there's so many people, there's not room for disbelief and it, there's no room for in, for intolerant people. No, absolutely. It, it seems like if you still are intolerant uh, towards trans wrestling right now, as a promotion, it seems like you're going to be left in the dust at this point because yeah, it, 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 you talk about strictly from like a business aspect, it's, it's money right there. You're, yeah. you're saying no to money. Yeah. People love people. Naturally, people go against the grain. And what I think is so cool about the queer community is that we have always gone against the grain. We have never tried to uh, join everybody. We've always made our own space. And I think that is amazing. And the fact that we could do that in wrestling is such a big deal, just solely because nothing like that has been done before. Like women's wrestling, yes, but there's a lot more uh, cisgendered people on the planet than there are queer people. You know what I mean? So from an aspect like that, uh, I think it's really crazy to see such a, a wave being paid, like a whatever I'm trying to say right now. The words that are coming out of my mouth are going crazy. I think it's cool to see a path being made uh, for queer people. Because of that, though, I mean, like, you know, you, you hear like in, in sports all the time with the argument about, like, you know, trans athletics in general. Yeah. Does it create kind of like an awkward space, especially in most wrestling promotions? I shouldn't say all, because there's certain wrestling promotions that definitely have a lot of inclusivity when it comes to titles. They're not necessarily so gender specific, but mostly they are gender specific to, you know, a men's championship, a women's championship. Does that create some sort of like gray space? I think it used to, for sure. Um, I think there was a time in my career where when I was technically a gay boy, uh, I was still very femme presenting and only wanted to be in women's wrestling at that time. And uh, and I had long hair and I wore makeup and I looked the part. So I just didn't understand why I wouldn't be allowed to wrestle women. And I, I could not for the life of me understand that. So I think now in general, intergender wrestling is so widely acceptable versus oh. when I started that um that there's not really even 
time for that discussion to really even happen because if men can wrestle women then then trans people can wrestle men and women and whoever they want and I think that's so awesome and I love that because I remember being a little gay boy and all I wanted to do was wrestle my favorite women's wrestlers and it was like pulling teeth to try to get matches with girls I remember the first time I wrestled a girl I was so happy I I literally like cried I was so happy who was it with it was Lufisto oh wow yeah oh, the first match to have with a woman <laughs> yeah it was crazy I was I was like f- three days uh freshly 18 years old it was like my first or second ever match on a show and I was in a triple threat with my old trainer and Lufisto and I was so nervous because I respected and loved her so much because I followed her for so long and uh she whooped my ass but it's okay because she's my auntie so <laughs> <laughs> Now let's let's dive into that aspect of it of like you know people that you've looked up to in wrestling you know you always talk about like you know you are um, Daphne's daughter right yeah. uh, so it's obviously a huge influence in your career um, you know what what are some things you carry with you today from Daphne what, what have you learned from some other people who have inspired you along the way I feel like from Daph the one thing I really took. She get, she for so long always gave me so much advice and we would talk on the phone for hours and hours and hours uh, every time, like every day. And um, the one thing I think that really resonated with me is just her bubbliness. Like, I feel like that's something that I carry along with because I always felt like almost like we were like mimicking each other with how just happy we were all the time. Uh, and I it's so weird. Like, that's so weird. It's so strange to see people that are genuinely just always up here like and and not phoning it in just so happy and that's how she was and I think that uh she taught me to kind of translate that into work so I'm not bitter going into work so I'm not stressed out knowing I have to do all of this before a show day so that way I can relax and I can just have fun and enjoy my journey and she taught me a lot of that but she also used to tell me uh not to do too much of that too because you don't want to give it all away you you want to be a (laughs) mystic to people i mean like i'm sure anyone that's listening right now would, would ask it's like you know as an actor myself i love everything about it but you know there are definitely some hard days coming to work yeah um yeah what was like one tip that you would give to someone like you know how to change that mindset going into like you know a, a hard day i i like to say like have a tether you know so if i if I, there's some I'm going to keep it 100. There's some days where I know I'm going into like a weekend of shows or even a show and I just really don't want to do it. Like I'm just not mindset there to go do it. And uh, my tether would be like watching a Molina match or listening to my favorite theme song or something that that takes away the stress of what I'm about to do and just brings back that feeling of like that undying love I have for it. And then it like clears my mind. That's awesome. Yeah. It's just like that one little thing, like you know, that little sense of joy that you, that you yeah. get from someone or something. <sighs> yeah, I think I think that's so important because, and I th- I'm sure that that translates into acting as well. I especially I always wonder, like, because in some ways, when you when you start wrestling, uh, the magic is killed for you. You know what I mean? And I, I'm <laughs> in I've any seen... aspect of wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally. As if you're in the industry at all, the magic is killed for you. And uh, I think that there's a power, actually, uh, Sue Young taught me that. She can still watch um, wrestling like she's a little kid. And in the sense of the magic still being there. I don't know how she has that ability. She just, she does. And it's so awesome to see. Uh, And for me, she taught me that. I remember having that conversation. It was her, Luscious, Latasha, and I. And we were on FaceTime talking about it. And me and Luscious were so confused because we were like, how do you have that ability? And I think what you just have to do there is remember so much why you love it. What made you feel this way? And just to be able to remove yourself from everything that involves it to just literally enjoy what you're seeing. And when you do that, I think that honestly takes away a lot of the bitterness, the stress, the anxiety i i love hard work i i like to train uh to wrestle twice a week i love to work lift i like to listen to theme songs when i lift all the above but i think that there's something so therapeutical about being able to sit back and watch your favorite wrestler without thinking about the industry a lot of wrestlers like to pick matches apart when they watch them and i think that that is why people get bitter because they can't just sit there and watch it as a spectator and a fan oh my lord 
you you just hit it right in the head. And it's funny you say that because like my mom actually just recently asked me, I was like, you know, look, why I love wrestling so much. Like why like why would I love it so much to get involved into it? And I, I, I told her about the first time I started watching wrestling, like the the, the very first time, talking about ninety two, Bret Hart versus British Bulldog, SummerSlam. And I just felt like the joy like the giddiness of being a kid again, yeah. watching it for the first time, like, you know, talking to her about it. And she's like, well, there it is. Now I understand. Thank you. I it, love it's so that. funny talk about that. It, so like, yeah, no, that there's so that's so true what you said. There's this feeling. And I I it's like a feeling I used to get in my body when I was a child and I would watch wrestling. And it was like the craziest feeling because I knew wrestling was like this edgy thing and I, I just felt so awesome and badass for watching it. And uh, I, I can never explain what this physical feeling was, but it was like an upwards like motion in my body that just felt like adrenaline almost. And like to the point where I could smell it, what I was watching, because I loved it that much. <laughs> and that, that feeling comes back when I watch some of my favorite wrestlers like Melina or Daphne, or if I play like SmackDown versus Raw 2006 or 2008. Oh my like, Lord. W- Let's go. <laughs> when yeah, when I see when I see Tori Wilson on the old Raw stage in SmackDown versus Raw 2006, that hits me. That feeling comes back, and I die for that feeling because that is a feeling I've only had when I was a kid watching wrestling. So when I can get to pull that back, it's almost like it's like raw energy. It's crazy, girl. I am I am stealing that from you going forward. Like you know that 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 little tether as you talked about because yeah. oh, just even this conversation alone i'm just like whoa i'm in the zone i'm yeah. so happy <laughs> i think i think it's really beneficial to like acting into the music industry too because i really wonder for like actors and for musicians you know everybody you know what i mean like how how is it not hard to like i know for me i'm so passionate about movies i love movies i feel like if i became an actress I would lose that magic and movies would be ruined for me unless I had a good tether. See, no, it doesn't though. Like, you know, there's really, there's still like, I've been doing this for eight years and there, there, I could still yeah. like walk onto a set and like, you know, sometimes you go into a sound stage and it's all kind of about the same, but like, you know, there's sometimes you go into, into a set and you're just absolutely blown away. Like, whoa, like you just feel that energy still. Um, and of course, so like, you know, like it, it's, it's other stuff that kind of makes it like, oh, it's going to be a day. It's yeah. like an early call time you, or, you know, people yeah. running behind, you know, things just not going the way that you're supposed to like <laughs> in filmmaking, yeah. you know, if one thing goes wrong, anything can go wrong. Um, yeah. And then there's also the business side of it and strike right now, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so there are other things out there, but like, no, there's still a lot of joy left in there, um, like where the magic isn't completely gone. Man, wrestling could be the same way though. I mean, I feel like wrestling yeah. and acting are so similar like that because like so similar when you're in it, like there are definitely days it depends also what promotion you go to. Like you can know, yeah. run into a locker room full of like people are just the energy's down and you can just, you kind of feel that. The same yeah. way could be on a set. Yeah. No, that that makes perfect sense. I always I kind of learned the idea of a, a tether just because I really love Madeline Patch. i I love Riverdale. <laughs> sorry i'm gonna say i love riverdale me and penelope ford are riverdale fiends and uh i love madeline patch and i would watch her on youtube and think like wow she because she has a youtube channel and i would be like wow she's so amazing like she's sitting here so passionately watching these movies and crying i feel it because me just knowing how hard it can be to wrestle i was like that's so amazing and it kind of made me take a step back and like look into what can what can i do to still have that magic and not take away what i enjoy oh i absolutely love that i feel like there's a lot of positivity that you know anyone that's in the wrestling industry or acting industry or anyone in the arts can like you know take from this it's yeah it's, it's the mindset man it, it's it's all about the mindset and I'm, I'm so glad that you shared that moving on because we are we're wrapping things up we i could talk to you all day here but i, I have to <laughs> i know, know. I have no like I, I've done some homework on you. I understand you are a big Britney Spears fan. I am. I <laughs> love Britney Spears so much. I really do. All right. Well, with that being said, uh, I have to ask. First off, top three songs go. Um, that's so. My songs are weird. I love when I found you off of the Britney album, the self entitled album. Uh, I love "Don't Let Me Be the Last to Know," and I really love "Overprotected." Wow. Oh, those are low key. 
very low key yeah. right there. Like and and my other one that's this is like my underlying like this is my underlying one that's low key my favorite above all those. But you only know it when I'm lit because it's a lit song. I love I got that boom boom with the Ying Yang Twins. <laughs> and I think it's so crazy. Mickey James has a song with the Ying Yang Twins, and Britney has a song with the Ying Yang Twins. So they're kind of like related in music terms. I think that's a huge compliment for Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, no, that, that's amazing. That, that's when you know you're a real Britney fan, right there. Like, where so, yeah, there, there are people that will claim they're Britney Spears fans. I guarantee you, there are people out there like, what songs are those? Yeah, you ain't, yeah. You ain't a real Britney fan then. <laughs> yeah, you don't. That's my saying. I always go, you don't. You know? Um, <laughs> now, I, I know wrestling. Like, you know, Chris Jericho talks about this, too, with his character, with, yeah. uh, especially with this evolution, taking things outside of wrestling from, yeah. like, you know, from pop, pop culture, bring it into who they are. Was that the case for you for Britney Spears? Absolutely. Um, I, my, my favorite things on the planet are Britney Spears, Rock of Love, and Jennifer Coolidge. And Daisy of Love. But that <laughs> falls under Rock of Love. Um so for me, uh, this especially hit when I got my uh, top surgery done, when I got my boobies, I was sitting at home and I kind of was sad that I couldn't wrestle for a long time. So I, I muted everything that had to do with wrestling on my social media to just clear my mind. I was living in the middle of the desert and just looking at like the Pussycat Dolls and old Britney performances and watching Rock of Love and seeing all this, these awesome things. And I was sitting there like, wow this is kind of like what I feel like I'm missing in my character in my look in this and that and I really sat back and realized for at least in my aspect of me personally what I feel wrestling's missing for me and uh and having that like six months in the middle of the desert doing nothing to do with wrestling not I never thought about it which was crazy it's the first time in almost 10 years I haven't thought about wrestling it gave me an entire new perspective on the industry coming back in after that it gave me new fresh ideas and I came up with this whole entire new look because I I I was watching all this stuff and I was like wow I haven't seen anything like that done in so long but like being able to I think take it and make it fresh which I think came with being away from everything because because my goal here was to just do it in a way like because my gear I love it I would wear it on the streets I don't think it looks like wrestling gear I think it looks like something that you wear at a club I think it looks like something you would wear on stage if you're a pop star so I was just trying to think like what makes Britney so relatable that people love her what makes Daisy De La Hoya so relatable that people love her so I was just really trying to do that and figure out how to incorporate that I love it I love it and it works so well and it seems like so organic with like who you are as a person so like you know it, it's working so keep on slaying again i i feel like i could talk to you all day and like we we are wrapping up here before i let you go though like tell the audience shoot your shot what do you have going on what do you have coming up next Whew, okay well i this weekend i have a show at the sanctuary in hazelton pennsylvania on friday saturday i'm wrestling ace austin is running a show uh, in Conrad Weiser High School in Pennsylvania, which is ironically a show 20 minutes away from the school I went to, because for people that don't know me and Ace Austin have been pals since I, we were both 14. Um, so he's doing that show and I'm performing at that show. I'm wrestling uh, Mean Gia Miller. And that's exciting because my whole hometown crowd is going to be there. Then awesome. that Sunday. Yeah, I'm really excited for that one. Then that Sunday, I'm going to be at uh, the sanctuary again. And then I fly to hawaii and i have oos wrestling on thursday next week so i'm lit about that one i come i leave hawaii go straight to arizona and i have a signing on saturday the 11th at 3d sports in glendale it's either in glendale or in phoenix then that day i have a show uh izw in glendale then i come home to dayton i'm based out of dayton now and the next day i have a show i can't remember i think it's I don't don't quote me. I think it's XVW in Dayton uh, on the 14th. And then I go to Boston and then I'll have WrestleCade weekend. Boom. WrestleCade. That's the big one right there. That's WrestleCade. Anybody who knows me knows WrestleCade Jamie is a beast. <laughs> <laughs> and how so? Like, I, now I have to ask. How so? I have drank Winston-Salem dry so many times in my life. Every WrestleCade. And I lead the party 
everybody knows once WrestleCade comes around to come find me. And we will be skating in the parking lots, eating all the pizza, drinking all the alcohol. Yeah. Well, sounds like a must-go event. Uh, WrestleCade, obviously a big deal. WrestleCade with Jamie, bigger deal. Get your tickets now for all the shows that she has coming up, if it is in your area, of course. Uh, Jamie, once again, lovely having you. Thank you for coming on to the show. Would love to have you back again. You're always more than welcome. In the meantime... Back to Michael J. Putty for TV Takedown. It's time for this week's TV Takedown. Like I just said, I always enjoy the first-timers. You're gentle. Good interview. Thank you, Jamie, for your time. I always love learning about new people, and uh, this was a good one. Good job. Yeah, man. Hey, fellow Britney fan, you know? Damn right. Um, Yeah, dude. What are your top three Britney songs? It's a fucking tough one. How do you how do you just throw that at me? Like, I'm well, pre- Jamie just did it. Yeah, but I'm not prepared for that one. Ugh. I it's, I need like prepper I mean, for that. It's gotta be fucking toxic. Is one of them. Uh, Hit me, baby, one more time. That's when you fell in love. Okay. Um, I'm a slave for you. Oh, slave okay. Slave for you. Thank you for that. My Thank pleasure. you for that. I'm I am saving that for sure. <laughs> Please, that's going up. Please. That'll be the first thing that goes up in the shot wrestling's TikTok page. I have absolutely no problem about that. Please, more than merry, <laughs> spread it out. Let her let let my, that fandom go out there into the newly single Britney Spears. Yeah, hit me up. Slide into the games at Michael J. Putty. <laughs> oh my man, I love it. <laughs> anyway, moving on. I talked about Britney Spears all day. Yes. If you want to start that, go down that road. No problem. <laughs> with the book coming out, where Justin Timberlake, nowhere in hiding. Of course, he's in hiding. He, would, I would be too if I was him. Cry me a river. Now you get me started. Now you get me started. What, what was trending in TV this week, please? Right. <laughs> so, um, the Miz. There, there were reports of the Miz turning babyface. Right. We heard that earlier on in the week. Well, Monday Night Raw kind of happened. Russell Ops at Russell Ops. Well, seems we're indeed getting a babyface turn for The Miz up against Gunther. Hashtag WWE Raw. As you saw, the hell of a promo, by the way, between both men, Gunther and The Miz, during Miz TV. Uh, Putty, what do you think about The Miz turning face? Is it the right move? Any move The Miz does is good. Um, yeah, I think this is the right move. He's How many times has he been babyface? Once? Real? One real babyface run? Against Shane McMahon? Yeah, two. Yeah, well, that one was like the one that was... Then he killed it. Way better. And the crowd yeah. got behind him. He going against someone like Shane McMahon, it's easy to get the crowd behind you. I think he's a, he's a good babyface. He showed he can be a good babyface. He showed it here. Turned the switch on on a dime. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm curious where this goes. What this could lead to. Partner, partnership with DIYs. An interesting. Reuni- that's the one. That's that's the question mark for me. Reuniting Miz and uh, Champa. So I'm curious. I'm just very curious where this goes, where this plays off, and where they're going to it, and what the end result is going to be. Because I don't th- see him winning the IC title, obviously. No, no. So... I do like the angle they're going with, though, with this with the Miz and Gunther. You know, kind of a la like you know AW the the sports entertainer versus the wrestler. Yeah. You know, I find it interesting though that right now the sports entertainer is the one that's the babyface. Hmm. Well, look, look, Which... look what company we're in. Yeah, the company that brings right. the sports entertainers. So it's an interesting dynamic here. Yeah. Very true, very true. That that's the one thing that's different. And then, you know, the Miz. I mean, you're right. The the Miz, uh, except for his first face run, that was probably the, the his. That was probably like the 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 one thing that was like not necessarily great in his career, but the Miz does tend to knock things out of the park with whatever role that he's put in from WWE. And like you know, that promo was fire, man. It, yeah. You know. When the Miz, when the Miz speaks, and you, is he scripted? You think, or you think he says uh, they they give him that leeway to speak from? I'm sure he's given a script, but if he's not given any leeway, then I don't know who is. I think he I right. Think he, he has he earned it. If he, if he hasn't earned it by now, then he never will. But so I'm assuming that he does have some sort of leeway to veer off in certain to react to what Gunther's saying, react with the crowd. Because that seemed very much, that seemed very similar, at least the passion of it was very similar to his promo with uh, Daniel Bryan 
back on uh was it the, the the smackdown after show i forgot what it was called now with smack. young talking smack thank you but am i wrong in that like no it was like the same type of energy yeah definitely and it is that needed that kind of energy to emphasize the turn and getting things got personal and yeah it was very intriguing to watch miz magically go through that segment from the slimy weasley miz that no everyone hates to this empathetic guy who just got embarrassed by the champion. It was very well done. Right. I'm looking forward right. to the face miss. Does this, um, do you think that opens the door for Maurice to come back or now? Or is, is it, they're, they're more still working with him in DIY. I think that, DIY. I think that, I mean, Maurice has come back a couple times for appearances here and there, but there was a payoff to that. I don't see, there's no female member of Imperium to get involved with or for her to get scrap up with. True. Unless they add somebody, which I don't see that happening. But this should be very, very intriguing. Like, will the Miz be the Miz won't be the leader of DIY? He's going to have to work in a team for the first time in his career. So it should be interesting that dynamic as well. There's so many more aspects that can go with this and the Miz character. I don't think this. I don't think this is going to lead to him winning the IC title from Gunther, though. No, not at all. Like, I don't see that happening. I don't think like I think the wrestler here is going to win. Like, I, I don't see a path for the Miz. To, so then, what's the purpose then? You know, what's the long term game plan with that? That's what I don't know. Is it to build DIY up? Maybe. Because who's better than the Miz in your corner talking for you? Miz, more matchups against. Now he's going against the heels on Raw. More matchups, new new matchups. Maybe him versus Shinsuke Nakamura. That'd be a cool match. Something different, fresh, new, something we've never seen before. So the, the, the thing is, when, when he was faced, so he was faced for a reason with Shane. Like, I, I don't necessarily know like how long of a face run Miz can go because he's just a natural heel. Oh, yeah. So I'm saying I'm very intrigued on where they're going with this. You're right. What the end result is going to be, because the end result of this storyline is going to be him being a heel again, but it's on the cost of who. Right. Right. Because like <laughs> Miz the Weasel, man. Like you know that, that that's where he's best suited. Yes, he can play a face, but he's much more natural as heel. I'm curious where this goes, but I, I feel like this is going to be short lived. Moving on though, Putty to NXT. Trick Williams made his return, and it caused a whole shitload of talk here on the Twitterverse. Public Enemies podcast at the Enemies PE3. You see the look on Carmelo's face when Trick Williams returns. Public Enemies says, yeah, Carmelo Hayes did that shit. Hashtag WWE NXT. What do you, what do you think? Fact or fiction? Carmelo Hayes is guilty as charged for the assault of Trick Williams. We are led to believe he was guilty. The interactions before the attack, uh, the interactions even before this was even a concept of Trick trying to break, wanting to break away, build his own character, build his own man, winning the NXT North American Championship for a day or two days or whatever it was. So yeah, all signs point to Carmelo Hayes here. And obviously he was the obvious choice, right? Right. Is it too obvious? Kind of like, the, again, like the Shawn Michaels, Triple H angle from many moons ago. Too obvious? That's the thing, right? Is it um, too obvious? But then sometimes stories are obvious because it's obvious. And if right. Carmelo did not do that, he wouldn't be shocked to see Trick back. If Carmelo did not do that, Trick would not have be so serious. So yeah, this seems to... And the way they cliffhanger at ending it leads us like, wait, maybe... What? What? But yeah, yeah it's, it had to be fact that Carmelo did it. Because the way they just set it up, who else could it have been? If it wasn't Carmelo, it would, that would not have the scene would not have unfolded as it did. So yeah, it had to be fact. The one thing, the one thing that I could say for Carmel, Carmelo Hayes' sake is that yeah, everyone's pointing the finger at Carmelo Hayes. It's the obvious choice. Did Trick see who assaulted him to begin with? Good question. You know, is Trick jumping to conclusions and listening to everyone? Also, you think that Carmelo did it? That's a good angle I didn't, I didn't think about. Because now, you, because look at the cliffhanger ending. Well, how did NXT end with Baron Corbin attacking somebody from behind? So maybe, yeah. I, I didn't even think about that angle. Maybe he thinks it was Carmelo. But, might have, but I don't see the Baron Corbin angle here yet. But maybe. That's something I'm more intrigued about now as well. That's a different dynamic. I'm more intrigued about that going forward. Because it could probably lead to even like a match 
right? Because yeah. Trick is pissed off Carmelo. Then we eventually find out who really did it. Maybe it was Baron Corbin. Maybe it was someone else. Yeah. You know, and it rekindles their, their friendship again. I, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like that, that will be more interesting. Much more. Because, like, Much more. Because we've seen this before. Like, I, I mentioned Triple H and Shawn Michaels, and that was brilliantly done. Mm-hmm. That was so well done. You know, and if they decide to go that route again, I mean, that was just many moons ago. If they want to try to recreate that magic here with Trick and Carmella, I still think that could work. And that would be fine. I think the fans would eat it up. But, like, you know, if if they want to use what worked from that angle and try to, like, add little nuggets and little wrinkles and make it their own here, that could be a way to go to make it more intriguing and to build people in and bring other people into this uh, storyline and make everyone a lot of money. Exactly. Again, it was too obvious to be Carmelo. They're painting it now to be obvious, to to be obvious, Carmelo. But your what you're describing would be more intriguing long term story wise. So yeah, I'm hoping they go that route because now it, to be Carmelo is oh okay yeah duh. I hate those right. yeah does. I like to be swerved and tricked. So no pun the one thing the the one thing that's going against my theory is Carmelo's reaction though. His reaction was like, oh, shit, I fucked up. Or it could have been like, oh, shit, he's here. What, What's he doing here? Why, is he, why does he look so angry? Why didn't he tell me he was mm. going to be here? Could be. Yeah. Could be. I feel like we're talking about a soap opera, right? <laughs> like Sands of the Hourglass. <laughs> Isn't that what wrestling's supposed to be? Just like, you know, a soap opera for men? Yeah. Like... I feel like that's a component that's been missed a lot in wrestling. Like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like AEW doesn't do it as much. It's a lost art, yeah. The storytelling. It the, is. Uh, the drama, the sex, the intrigue, the scandal. And, and so- you look who's running a show in NXT. Like, it, no wonder why we're getting this. That's awesome. As someone who used to watch a soap opera, the whole sexist, anybody can watch soap operas, please. Let's, it's 2023, please. No, I, I know, I know, but that, no, that, I'm saying, that was that was that was that was the old Relax. saying. Yeah. It was the old saying about wrestling. I'm just saying. But anyway, Putty, um, dude, that's all I have for TV. You know, we have we're pre-recording before Crown Jewel, so a lot of things have t- happened during the week was for Crown Jewel. Obviously, we can't talk about that because hey, we're not uh, we're not mind readers. We don't know what's going on here. I do. Crown Jewel. Yep, I do. We're before Ellie and I got robbed. Congratulations to Logan Paul, uh, John Cena putting over Solo like he did. Farewell to John Cena. Congratulations, yep. Rhea Ripley in a hard fought contest. EO Sky retains. I don't. I don't know any other matches, but yeah, should be fun. One o'clock in the morning. Cody, Cody Rhodes. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, Cody Rhodes versus who? Oh yeah, your boy, Damian Priest. He's not my boy. He was your boy. He won your watch like two, three years ago. I, got, I did not go back. I'll do it next week. So, he, was, he was on my short list of ones to watch. Since you picked him, I picked Ra- Raquel Rodriguez. That was it. Both successful choices. Uh, so I know you're going back on yours. You're doing a good job. I mean, I, I just, uh, we talked about it enough last week. But, yeah, buddy, that's all I got, man. AW, there wasn't a lot enough trending on there. If you, unless you want to talk about Adam Cole's beard, which I have no interest in I doing. do not. Yeah. Nothing in AEW trending this week, huh? MJF, Nothing really, man. Not, yeah, not a whole lot, man. It was, it was Adam Cole's beard. Uh, a lot of hype about Tony Storm, which we've talked endlessly about. Like she's doing magnificent work, and everyone's, you know, giving her her flowers, rightfully deserved, on Twitter. But nothing a whole lot for us to discuss because we've already discussed it. Tony Storm is kicking ass, and I love it. All right, Marcus, it's time to get into some go home thoughts, my friend. Usually. I throw it to you, but now I'm going to start off Go Home Thoughts, and when it's Go Home Thoughts started by me, you know it's heavy stuff. I was never really into Halloween as an adult, right? Sometimes I would go to Halloween parties and not dress up. For some reason, I never really, I don't care about Halloween that too much. There was a little street there I was when I got invited to Halloween parties with friends, and I had to get dressed up. Especially part of fraternity, we had to go to Halloween parties every year, and I didn't care about dressing up. I don't know why. I just didn't feel comfortable. I don't give a shit. I just want to go party and have fun, have a good time. So I went as myself. Had jeans on. Sometimes it would be a, a, a V-cut sweater, maybe a button-down shirt. People would ask me, what, what's your costume supposed to be? 
I think he did like five times. Chandler Bing. Could it be any more obvious? Right? So the loss of Matthew Perry this past week is just something that's you can't put into words. It's Again, I hate talking about it when celebrity dies. We did it like a year ago with Jason David Frank, the Green Power Ranger. But this one fucking sucks, dude. This one sucks. Yeah. It hurts. I did, never, I did not know the man. I know Chandler Bing. I knew him from other TV shows. But it's weird to see somebody die and you don't know. And it just affects you so much. And uh, this is really sad. And I know a lot of pe- lot of people are sad. My timelines are blowing up with pictures of him and stories and tributes in honor of him. From people who don't know him as well. This guy has such an impact on people's lives. He will be missed. He will be missed. He will. I mean, like, he, he's touched a lot of people. Uh, we learned about a lot of the cool things that he's done, uh, unfortunately, after he died that we weren't necessarily uh, aware of for people, with, especially with uh, substance abuse. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's done a lot of things. Like, he, he said himself, like, you know, he doesn't necessarily want to be known for his work, per se, but, like, you know, what he's done for people. Which is uh, gladly coming out the last seven days. Yeah. So it's good. It, it makes me think, man. Like, I really wish, like, we know more about that stuff when the person's alive. I feel like way too often we only find out about that like after they pass. You know, it's sad. Uh, it's, it's like sad, uh, yeah. I, I, I want to know about this stuff. You know, because like I say time and time again, um, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, right? Like, no one's going to remember what you do. They're not going to remember how much money you've made. They're going to remember how you make them feel. You know, that's what people carry with them forever. And Matthew Perry made a lot of people feel great in his own way, whether he touched them directly, whether he helped them out, whether he was a good friend, a family member, castmate. But then for for most of us and how we knew him uh, was through laughter, being entertained, because he made us feel good. You know, he had a widely successful TV show. That played for years decades, on the network. Decades. Still to this day, oh, yeah. syndication. Which I'm not allowed to say the name of. Oh, buddy, okay. you can. But. Friends. Yes. Warner Brothers. Friends. And, you know, we, we grew up with that. You know, I, how often do people come home from a shitty day of work or a shitty week and they turn that on and they just feel for a half hour a little bit better about themselves, a little bit better about life. You know, they forget about things for a while. And that was, that was a lot of thanks to him. You know, and I know he doesn't necessarily want to be remembered for his work, but like he, he touched a lot of people using his gifts that was gifted to him from the universe. So, uh, he'll always be remembered for, for that. At least for me. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and I was a big fan of his show. There's two shows he did after friends goon, which is a joke. It was actually go on. And the odd couple. I'll watch just because of him. I was a big fan of his. Chandler Bing is one of my favorite, not only characters on the show, but characters in general. Fred and I were talking, we were watching the Frasier reboot. We were talking how Frasier, he thinks Frasier is a big comedic influence on him. Although he doesn't know it. I think growing up watching Frasier and Frasier's wit and his comedic timing was an impact on him. It was funny you mentioned, I was just thinking, I think Chandler Bing is one of mine. I, I hate using that comedic comedic influence because I'm just not I'm not an actor I'm not a comedian it's just something I use in my daily life but yeah you know there's a quote from uh, one of my favorite movies Batman Begins it's not who you are underneath it's what you do that defines you so yeah we everyone knows about his demons and his battles and his struggles but he turned that around and made his life's work to help other people and I hear these stories flooding my timeline about these actors and celebrities coming forward saying he did this for me he did that for me what a great dude. And again, it's sad to see these stories coming out when it's too late. Right. And the news spoke. I read something today about there's going to be a Matthew Perry Foundation in honor to help people like this. So I didn't read too much into it. So I'm hoping that's true. But uh, rest in peace, Chandler Bing. It's, it's really sad. It's really one of those sad stories that affects you, again, and somebody you don't even know. The Matthew Perry. Hey, rest in peace. Cheers. So I hijacked that segment. Any go-home thoughts for you, my friend? No, I mean, well, dude, I, I think you, you wrapped it up pretty well there. Um, what more can I say than, than that? Um, so for Shot of Wrestling, you can find us at Shot of Wrestling uh, on all forms of social media. We're on YouTube. We're on all forms of podcasts, podcasting, podcast broadcasts. 
I don't know. Wherever you listen to us on, that's good enough for us. <laughs> Just make sure you uh, you give us a rating here, five stars preferably. But, hey, that's your choice. Uh, and, uh, you know, make sure you give us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Um, for me, you can follow me on my socials. Uh, you can find it at yourfavoriteactor.com. All my social media links are on there. Uh, Putty, what about yourself? There, when we started the show, Green Master doing interviews from mm-hmm. people we knew and here in the local tri- tri-state area. And we sent out the plea like, oh, if you know somebody who's not here, maybe California, Texas, Florida, let us know. We want to interview him. And that's how we got the connection with Sammy Guevara. So again, throwing out to you, if you know somebody in your town, your city, your area, your state, who is an up-and-coming rising indie star, please let us know. Send them our way so Mark can do another in-depth, exclusive interview to get them a more yeah, mainstream abs- spotlight. Absolutely, man. Like, you know, Jamie, she's not necessarily in our scene uh, that we interviewed today. We interviewed Laura Frazier last month, a couple months ago, I think. She's California-based. And I, I'm talking to someone right now in uh, the UK. Crikey. So, like, <laughs> I don't think that's, that's Australian. British. That's Australian. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I just lost the interview now. Thank you for that. Mm, no pleasure. <laughs> now I can do it as her. All months. Spot T. The Beatles. Mm. I almost had it. I lost it. I got to work on it. I got a spot on Michael Kane. I'm working on. I'll give it to you next week. Well, I am Mark Schwan. Thank you for joining the show. This is for Michael J. Putty. For Jamie Senegal. Schwan is out. Cheers. That's how the show ends. What's going on here? Hey, baby, I hear the bell ringing. Hip tosses and body slams. Oh, my. And maybe you seem a bit confused. Yeah, baby. But I got you pinned. <laughs> but I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night, everybody. <laughs>